Greetings and welcome to another Different Church Podcast. My name is Jarrett and I hope you're having an awesome day. I'm recording this intro at, get this, 8.50 a.m. Monday morning. I'm at the office. This uh, almost never, actually I don't think this has ever happened. I'm actually doing it on work time today. I got Ethan sitting over here next to me working on video stuff. We are having a great day at the office and I'm going to release this here in the next, I don't know, 15 minutes or so. Anyway, I hope you are doing awesome. Um, we've got a really cool service today. Hannah's going to be talking about Psalm 23. I especially love the benediction, which you will hear at the end. Shout out to Chris for suggesting we do that, and we've been doing it the past few weeks. Um, before we jump into Hannah, just a couple of quick announcements. We are starting small group this week. We've got a Zoom group in case you want to join virtually, like... Maybe you just don't have time to go to a, someone's house or you don't live in the Bay Area. We've got a, a fairly large number of people who don't live here who listen. And if you want to join one of our Zoom groups, you totally can. If you are local and want to go to one of the groups, we've got two in St. Pete and one in Tampa. And we would love to have you there. Um, let's see. I know we've got... Oh, we're doing... We're going to plant some trees this coming Saturday. If you want to join a group or uh, come along for the tree planting thing, go to diff.church and then click on groups or events, and you can sign up for either one of those. Uh, that's it. Let's talk to Hannah. Actually, before she gets started, I think she has a pretty cool announcement for you as well. I have an announcement too. Um, One month from today, because February, March are just perfectly the same every year, it's March 19th. And we are going to have, instead of a regular service, our different church three-year birthday party. So we are going to have a potluck, obviously, because that's the best thing about church. Um, And if you have been around for any of our previous potlucks, you know that our official sign-up sheet is generally a piece of paper that I scribbled on and stuck somewhere out there for you to find. But today, I want you to know we've leveled up, and it is not just a piece of paper. It is a college-ruled notebook. that I scribbled on. (laughs) So you can bring anything you want, but we are having a potluck at the normal service time. So normally we would have one after, but we're having it at 1030. So just come to church and eat. And we are going to have a three-year birthday party. And by a three-year birthday party, I mean a party that three-year-olds would enjoy. Like we're going to play very ridiculous games. I already had a suggestion that we make the entire thing Bluey themed. (laughs) And if you don't know Bluey, you are missing out. Let me tell you. My two-year-old doesn't really care about Bluey, and I'm like, why? What's wrong with you? You're not my child. So sign up to bring something. It doesn't matter what you bring. Bring a delicious food that you like, okay? Um, We will have all the utensils and everything like that and drinks, and then we will play very fun, exciting games. If you have a fun, exciting game that you would like to recommend for a three-year-old birthday party, please find me after church. Seamless transition. Today we're going to talk about Psalm 23. (laughs) And in a fun twist, I was realizing when I was preparing this that it's actually been three years since we talked about Psalm 23. And I was like, oh, that's weird. No, it's not that weird. It's because it came up in the lectionary three years ago. (laughs) And that repeats every three years. I think we may have talked about it three years ago minus a week. So we're a little late. Please forgive me if you're like really attached to the lectionary. You shouldn't be because we only follow it sometimes, but apparently right now and also three years ago. (laughs) Um, We're going to read it together. You probably know it, but you can follow along on the screen. It says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. 
You make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside still waters. You restore my soul. You lead me in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So let's talk about meaning first. Like, how do we see meaning? What is the meaning of being a human? What is the meaning of being a person of faith? I think we have a prevailing belief in American Christianity that God creates meaning in our lives by making things work out in a very certain way. Um, We make statements like, it will be all right. God has a plan. You just have to trust God's plan or all things work together for good. This is very Western. Like, not everyone in the world says this. Not everyone is very tied to the fact that there has to be a product, a goal that you're working for. Sometimes the process is just as important, but we're Americans. We're like, no, obviously. There has to be a thing at the end. Otherwise, why are we going on this journey? I don't want to drive there. It's too long. Can we please teleport? But in this passage, in Psalm 23, we have uh, the sheep, we have the shepherd, and neither of them are making promises that everything is going to work out. Um, And even when we quote Romans 8.28, I heard it so many times growing up. I've seen on so many beautiful little, like, flowery plaques of like, just put this on your wall. All things work together for good. And then my Pentecostal church was like, for them that love the Lord, everyone else, no. (laughs) But it doesn't say all things will be good. It says there will be a good outcome at some point. It doesn't even say all things will work together for good for you. It says, things are working together to make some kind of positive impact overall. I hope you get to see it. (laughs) Good luck. But we want all the things to be good. And by that, we mean we we want the promise of a full life. We want to avoid meaningless suffering. We want to escape death. We want there to be a reason for bad things happening, not just to good people, but to like any people in the world. We want to know that all of this crap actually matters. We want to escape the hard parts of being human. And I think in this psalm, we see a really realistic but hopeful view of life. It doesn't ignore the hard parts, but it actually doesn't let them have the final say either. And I mean, we all know, there's like, if you're listening to the radio or, I don't know, what do we listen to now? Spotify? (laughs) No commercials. Um, If you're listening to music on any of your streaming devices provided by Apple, Google, or Android, Like, you get your favorite song comes on, and you're like, oh, yes, right? Or we sit down to a meal, and it's, like, amazing. Or you go to the beach, and you watch a sunset in Florida, because they're amazing. Um, Or you see a movie that makes you laugh until you cry, or just cry. And you're like, I have emotions. I don't know what's happening to me. I think that these are actually little nudges from God to be like, hey, by the way, you are alive. It won't last. But that's fine. Never mind that for now. Live while you are alive. Breathe while there's fresh air. These are the green pastures, the still waters, the celebration potluck table. It's peaceful and happy, but it doesn't mean that there's not enemies nearby or like the valley of the shadow of death is not coming. Like we will be afraid. We will face pain. 
we will even die and eventually be forgotten. The end. <laughs> Just leave it there. Go forth and be depressed all week. If you are a regular person, you will be remembered for a couple of generations. Your kids, your grandkids, maybe your great-grandkids, some friends that loved you, right? If you're a famous person, there will be possibly a paragraph written about you in some book sometime to encapsulate your entire complicated life into like so-and-so was born on this date, and generally we don't like them, and then they died. <laughs> here's a list of bad things they did, or here's a list of good things, but we don't really know. If you're very, very, very famous, you might get a biography written about you, or even a documentary, a documentary film about your life where people who don't know you emphasize a hundred details about your life that you probably find trivial and meaningless, and they assign deep meaning to them, and you're like, I don't care about any of that. <laughs> but even if you have that, if you have a biography, eventually it's going to go out of print. And eventually people are going to stop watching your documentary, or maybe they never watched it to begin with. And it's just going to disappear off Netflix. And the historians will forget you. This is part of life, right? Like, we're all going to die, and we're all going to be forgotten. And actually, that's fine. Forgetting is what makes memory special. Like, if, you've, if you have any loved ones who have gone through Alzheimer's, you know this deeply. Death makes life more important. I think we can rephrase the verse, yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? We could rephrase it to, yes, though I walk through life knowing that death will eventually come to us all, yet I am not afraid of living right now. And I think we just get stuck so often, or maybe I'm just me, <laughs> I get stuck so often. We just, we're afraid of living. We're afraid of trying new things. We're afraid of making new relationships. We're afraid of even just stepping out in any kind of faith, let alone faith in God. We don't have an, even faith in ourselves or in our families or in our friends. And we just are always trying to find meaning, but we're too afraid to actually live it. And actually all we have is right now. Meaning is not promised to us beyond this moment happens in real time. We just have this minute. I have this minute to talk to you. I'll have another minute to drink coffee with my husband. And I'll have another minute to hopefully take a nap. And I'll have another minute to like grow a baby. And I'll have another minute to wish my toddler would go to sleep already. <laughs> we have another minute to eat ice cream and have a three-year-old birthday party. And we have another minute and another minute and another minute until the soles of our shoes are all worn down and we're ready to close our eyes for the last time. And we talk about God like very often in terms of eternal care for our souls. We're like the resurrection, the life eternal, the glorious future day when we'll all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be. None of y'all know this song? I'm sad for you. That, that is what Jarrett referred to as a four-chord song. <laughs> only four chords were allowed in my church growing up. If we were doing minor chords, it, be, it was because we were having a Davidic-inspired song service, and we were going to sing a lot of psalms, okay? In this shepherd, in this psalm, <laughs> now, now I don't even know where I am. In this psalm, a shepherd is caring for sheep. Now, not some future time, not in the past. The shepherd is caring for the sheep. Now, the host is throwing a party with his table overflowing for food. 
Now, these things are happening in the present. And God, we are so focused on what happened yesterday and what happened 10 years ago and recovering from all of that. And we're so focused on what's going to happen tomorrow and the things that are going to happen 10 years from now and how we're going to plan our life that we forget that God is here now, in this moment, with us, with our fears and our boredom and our stomachs that can't handle stress or even a bread roll or Taco Bell past 8 p.m. or ever, <laughs> with our minds that won't shut off no matter how hard we try, with our endless to-do list and our constant struggles to just prove that we're worth something, worth anything to ourselves and each other and the world. And we just, this is us all the time. We're just like in a little tornado, like the Tasmanian devil. And then at the end of it, you're like, what did I do? I don't know. You just spun around in a circle for a while. Unnecessarily, you could have walked to where you were going but now you're tired. One name for Jesus in the New Testament is Emmanuel, which means God with us. It doesn't just mean like God is here. Yes, God is here in every moment, in the most mundane moments, the most ordinary moments, the most joyful moments, the most difficult moments, but it also means why is God here? Because God finds it worthwhile and valuable to participate in our lives. Do you find it worthwhile and valuable to participate in your life? Or are you just here waiting for tomorrow? Waiting for the next thing? Waiting for whatever? Because life is made up of all of these ordinary moments happening now. And faith is also made up of all of these ordinary moments happening now. And are they enough for us? Or is there more that we think we need from God? Perhaps we should trust that really what we need and want the most, which is sacred relief from the hard work of being human, people we love and that love us, food, shelter, hope, they are all provided to us when we pay attention and work together. There's always so much beauty around us, even when there's death and pain as well. There's always all of these possibilities for love and hope and faith, even when there's loss too. Like, you go outside, our world is spectacular and full of mosquitoes. <laughs> and also in Florida, palmetto bugs, which if you have moved here recently, it's about to be summer. So bless you. A palmetto bug, if you don't know, <laughs> I have, I'm saying this because I have had a lot of conversations, this is not in my notes, okay, I'm about palmetto bugs. <laughs> I've had a lot of conversations with people who move from a different state and they're like, yeah, I saw something and it looked like a cockroach, but it was the size of a dinosaur. Yes, <laughs> that's what it is. And I highly recommend don't step on it because it just like, it like crunches and squirts. <laughs> Whereas a cockroach just flattens. A palmetto bug is like, <laughs> like, it's terrible. So you're, you know, you're, this is the best, we live where people vacation. <laughs> with the palmetto bugs. Our world is so beautiful and full of palmetto bugs. Our bodies are amazing and full of farts. <laughs> this is the gift of God, <laughs> fleeting and eternal. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm joking, but it's true. There's like, and we try to hide all the bad stuff. We're like, no, there's no mosquitoes in the kingdom of God. There's no farts in church. <laughs> well, you're a human, so yes, there is. <laughs> This psalm is a comfort, I think, and also a challenge. 
the same God who leads the sheep by the still waters, restoring the soul, also leads the sheep through the valley of the shadow of death. They're not wandering there accidentally. It's not, it's an inevitable part of the journey of faith. To follow love, pursue justice, to follow God. It's a question of when and where, not if. And when we read the Bible, I think we know this to be true. Like the prophet knew, prophets knew the valleys, Jesus knew the valley. He knew when he was walking towards it, getting close to it, about to die. He told his disciples about it. All the disciples knew the valley, right? We know it. We all know it personally, but like Jared and I left a proper church. And we left the safety and security of a proper church to start this like a, three years ago, a tiny little inclusive community. And we were like, I don't know, it's going to work. And some days I'm like, I don't know if it's going to work. But it's working. It's still here. And God will sometimes lead you into a dangerous or nerve-wracking situation. And if we've grown used to still water and green grass, we might wonder if we're following the right path. Surely, God wouldn't ask us to do anything that might upset the carefully orchestrated balance we've created in our lives, right? God wouldn't want us to be uncomfortable. No. Sometimes for small things and for big things, God is always nudging us, or in my case, like kicking me towards the path. And I feel like this is a very churchy thing to say, but God doesn't really care about our level of discomfort, which progressive Christians really don't like that. Like we are so deeply attached to our picture of God as like a sturdy, absolutely loving, giving parent. But even if you follow that metaphor, just because you're a loving parent does not mean your kids will never be uncomfortable, right? Like, I'm a parent. I don't love it when Nova's uncomfortable, but sometimes it happens. Sometimes she screams in the bathtub, but she still has to get a bath because she stinks. She's uncomfortable, but I have to, I have to clean her. <laughs> like, I can't just let her run around like pig pen. Sometimes she has to keep trying and keep trying and keep trying to build a stack of blocks which is deeply important to her, but they keep falling down and I'm not going to fix it for her because she has to keep trying, even though she really wants to burn the house down because they, they keep falling over. Sometimes I tell her no and that's uncomfortable. Sometimes I let her find out for herself and that is also uncomfortable. <laughs> like it's, she can be uncomfortable. That doesn't mean I don't love her fiercely. I'm with her when she's screaming. God is with us when we're screaming. Sometimes our path has to take us through the valley and we get stuck in the fact that we're in the valley and we're like, well, how could you be here? And then Christians make ridiculous posters about how that was when I was carried by God, the one set of footprints in the sand. I'm like, first of all, you're on the beach. How bad can it be? <laughs> in the valley, let's talk. Um, sometimes the path has to take us through the valley and we get stuck being like, how could God possibly take us here? How could God let me wander in here accidentally? Maybe God is taking you through it. The only way out is through. And you're not alone. You're with someone who knows the way. The New Testament, oh, we all can come up. I'm almost done. <laughs> I better not talk too fast. The New Testament says God became flesh and lived among us, which is all well and good. We're like, yes, Jesus. God never stopped doing that. God became flesh, became human, lived with us, and then God continued and continues to live with us through each and every person of faith. 
God gives us what we need through other people. And I think Psalm 23 invites us to ask how we are living in community in terms of the care of our bodies and our souls so that we can continue living as people of faith and as just plain humans without being isolated, overburdened, lost to despair. The path is always going to keep going. Sometimes it's awesome. Sometimes it sucks. Sometimes it's fine. But there are ways to live so that when we keep going, it feels like hope and not exhaustion. So what I will leave you with is just a couple questions to reflect on. What is one thing you can do to feel less isolated? Not what is one thing other people can do for me so that I feel less alone. What is one thing you can do to feel less isolated? Who can you reach out to? What is one thing you can do to show someone else that you care? And finally, whether you're having a terrible week or you're having a great week, where have you seen the grace of God? Where have you seen the care of the shepherd? Where have you seen God with you in your life this week? Blessed are the agnostics the atheists, the believe-everything people. Blessed are the ones who doubt. Blessed are the children who can't sit still and the adults who are stuck in patterns, in situations, in trauma. Blessed are the ones no one notices and the ones who can't escape the judging eyes. Blessed are the quiet, thoughtful ones and the ones who don't have time to think Blessed are the queer ones, the straight ones, the searching for something that feels real ones. Blessed are the ones who have loved enough to know what loss feels like. Blessed are the ones who can't fall apart because they are keeping everyone else together. Blessed are the ones who aren't over it yet. Blessed are you. Yes, you. Yes, our greasy, stinky, sometimes bloated, absolutely miraculous bodies. We are of heaven and we are blessed. Go this week in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, remembering always that your life is a gift to us all, but most especially to God. Amen.